Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Right Nowish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, we're talking to Danya Cabello. She's an educator and a former professional soccer player. Her work of teaching young folks in East Oakland about soccer has been highlighted in the film Futbolistas for Life. Having a space like a soccer field where we cultivate joy and where we can play and love one another in the ways that I experience with the futbolistas that's an act of resistance. And it was around the time of this film's production in 2017 when I met Danya. And ever since, we've been crossing paths at arts events, in cafes, and even recently at a protest in downtown. I kind of took it all in that it's a sign. I should probably talk to her about what she's been up to. And um, yeah, it's not education or soccer. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Danya's an entrepreneur looking to enter this wild market of legal cannabis retail. Her company, Ojo de la Sol, started off as a medicine that she mastered in her own kitchen. About 10 years ago, While I returned back to graduate school, I had been working as a hobby with a farmer. And it was this farmer who was my teacher and friend that introduced the idea of juicing cannabis leaves. It's kind of like a wheat shot grass, like when Popeye takes his spinach. That was the effect that juicing fresh fan cannabis leaves had on my mental health, on my ability to take ownership of my own well-being. That's wild to me. So I've never heard of juicing cannabis. Like I've heard of weed tea, weed leaf, weed balm, like weed everything. I've had weed ice cream before. Mm-hmm. Like 
juicing the actual leaves. And probably the reason you haven't heard of it or seen it that much is that it requires so much fan leaf to make one tiny shot. So it's just really expensive to make cannabis juice. Got you. Okay, okay. And so you've been exploring this and learning about it and practicing it, and you were gearing up to launch, and then COVID hit. I'm constantly re-figuring out how to even navigate this. The day that we went on lockdown for the pandemic was supposed to be my first day cooking in my new kitchen. It got put on pause for a moment until cannabis was deemed essential. And I was allowed to return to my kitchen and, you know, I, I had to look in the mirror quite a bit and look at my altar and ask myself, what would my ancestors do or think about this moment? And what I kept reverting back to was, in a moment like this, they would provide medicine for their people. And that kind of eased some of the discomfort because there's nothing comfortable about this time for anybody, let alone to be launching something while half the people I know are out of jobs. You know, can they even afford to buy cannabis in the regulated industry? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's a clashing of two oceans right here that I'm seeing where it's like, in one sense, it's deemed like necessary for this time. And literally this morning, I'm listening to Democracy Now! And they're talking about how one third of Americans could easily be be said to be clinically depressed at this moment, you know, which is like a 50% spike from the usual Mm -hmm. count. And I know myself, I've been dealing with some depression. And so I could see the benefits of cannabis. And you're asking people who need this medicine to pay for cannabis that's being taxed two, three times over. And so how do you navigate that, that clashing of two different waves. As far as myself as a medicine maker, we have to be making changes within the way we do business. For example, what that means for me is being really intentional um, about who I partner with, who is my distributor. It's important for us to kind of build a network within this really corrupt, um, regulated industry so that we can grow and begin to define the norms ourselves. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and back it up a little bit for me. Um, can you give me marijuana industry for dummies? I'm a manufacturer. I make a product. So with this one license, I'm able to make medicine in a kitchen. This medicine has all sorts of like packing regulations. They have to come in particular jars, particular sizes. And then once I make it, I have to get it lab tested. And so because I have other ingredients in there, I have to get them pre-tested, post-tested. And then for compliance, there's a final lab test. Once all that gets cleared, I can say, okay, distributor, you, you can come and pick up my products and then it can be sold. It's such a, a weed head statement, but I've always wondered, like, how did this joint get to me? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where in the process did it fall uh, off the truck? Did, what, what mountain did this grow on? Mm -hmm. So it's good to know a little mm -hmm. bit of background and to know that there's a lot of hurdles. It takes a lot. The price you pay that can eliminate you. Like if one of my lab tests came back with like a little bit too much of something that shouldn't be in there and I had to get rid of 2,000 units of product... For a small manufacturer like me, that's it. That shop is yeah. over. We're done. Versus the larger companies, 
you know, their investors have billions or millions in. What, what's, a, what's a couple thousand? That's, that's pocket change for them. But not for me. That's all I'm starting with. With so many regulations and hurdles, why do you even want to be in the regulated industry? Ooh, that's a great... I ask myself that every day. Um, <laughs> it's because I'm not going to be complicit to the extraction of black and brown people from this amazing, incredible plant, and also the opportunity to have job security, have a paycheck, make a decent wage so I can keep my home in Oakland. That's why I'm doing it this way. Be, be it that you're swimming in uncertain waters, is there any philosophy that you rely on? I think right now one of the things I've been relying on is um, my own self-awareness in that I'm the daughter of political exiles who fled horrific persecution to arrive to a country as immigrants at a place in Oakland, California, where they arrived just after the civil rights movement. And so when I say self-awareness, it's I see the privileges, I see the access, and I see the gifts. Therefore, it's my responsibility to use all of my gifts. Education, sports, cannabis. People want to see them as different boxes. These all coexist. I wouldn't be one of any of these things without the other. And so it's my job to kind of keep advocating, keep letting it be known that it's totally normal. This is my normal. Kudos to Danya, and thank you for sharing your story. Best of luck on your venture. You can follow her work on Instagram at Ojo de la Soul. Here's to the folks who connected me to Danya, filmmaker June Stinson and Kiana Mogadam, who works with the Right Nowish team. Oh, speaking of Right Nowish team, gotta thank, thank, thank Ashley Ann, producer extraordinaire, editor Jessica Plachik, always holding us down, and the higher-ups at KQED, Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. Before you go, I have to ask you to go to the Right Nowish website at kqed.org slash rightnowish and tell us who would be an ideal guest for the show. You know the show, you know what we're about, and you know the community. So let us know who you think we should highlight. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thanks for listening. Peace. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.